Hello, everyone. My name is Philip Palumbo. I'm the host of the Palumbo Podcast, where I interview some of the most successful portfolio managers, market strategists, and economists. Today, we have with us Robert Collins of Partners Group. Partners Group is a $142 billion private equity firm located in Switzerland. And Robert is head of private wealth. His background is in within Partners Group, he developed an innovative $12 billion uh, private equity 1040 Act fund. He serves as president, board member, and portfolio manager of the fund. He chairs the U.S. Investment Committee overseeing approximately $20 billion of private markets. He's trustee of Partners Group's 401k plan. He has over 25 years experience in the financial services industry. He has an undergrad from Tulane and a graduate from Cornell. So, Robert, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Great to be here, Phil. Thank you. All right. So my first primary goal, as you and I discussed, is to help investors understand what is private equity? When we hear this term, what does it mean exactly? Yeah, I mean, it's it, pretty simple. It's uh, companies. Think about public companies you know, that you buy shares in on exchange. The difference here is these are private companies. The shares are not publicly traded on an exchange. They're owned privately. That's uh, that's the major difference. So just privately held companies. So if you think about maybe some of your clients or business owners, those would be private equity investments in right. some respects. Right. And, uh, you know, there are different financing stages is one way to think about it. You have, you know, venture capital, which is early stage companies, maybe companies that are newly formed. The business models aren't proven. The businesses aren't proven. And then you have very mature businesses, which is typically uh, what I think most people think about private equity, which is buyouts, you know, leverage buyouts, control buyouts. That's, uh, you know, really the largest part of the private equity market. And then all sorts of different specialized strategies therein. But it's uh, privately owned companies. And the the major takeaway, I would say, why, why this is important topic for, uh, you know, for you and your clients is that more and more of the economy is shifting from public to private. Right. So if you look at uh, the number of public companies uh, in the last 20 years, it's decreased by half. So more and more of the economy is held privately. And uh, that's why uh, it's an important topic because it's a good thing for for us, the society to be, you know, invested in our country and our economy. And, uh, you know, that's why it's, you know, it's an important topic for individual investors uh, in particular who haven't historically been able to invest as much in private equity as some of the large institutional type investors. A couple of important points to that, as I talk to my clients about this, is that 85% of the companies out there are privates and the rest are public. So the reality is, is that when everybody thinks about the stock market, you're really just limiting yourself from an investment standpoint. So the benefit of investing with a private equity firm or investing in a private company is you kind of get in, get in on a company that maybe will eventually go public and already their market cap as a as a level that's maybe up three or four or five times your money, then it goes public and then that maybe maybe another ride after that. So that's the that's what I'm trying to really hit home as I'm talking about private markets. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think I uh, I know what you're citing, and and, it, and it's true. If you look at companies in in the U.S., uh, eighty yeah eighty five percent eighty six percent are private, 
And it's not just uh, small companies. It's actually 85, 86% of companies with 100 million of revenue and above. Wow, I didn't know that. Kind of staggering. So like most, again, most of the economy is now private. And uh, and that's a profound shift. It wasn't always that way. So it is important. I totally agree if that's what you're, uh, you know, preaching to your clients, totally agree with that. If you simply want to have that diversified equity portfolio, you need to look at the private markets and not just have exposure to public equity. Public equity is great. We should all have that too. Uh, but there are many companies that just aren't available to you in the in the public markets. And that's part of the shift in the last 20 years is also not just the, the size, but the the types of, of assets that are available, public versus private, has really changed profoundly. And it used to be maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago when the private equity industry was starting, uh, it was this connotation of, of risk and speculation. You had these sort of infamous uh, leveraged buyout transactions in the, right. in the 1980s that people think about. There's a lot of risk there, but that's changed fundamentally. So what we see is that some of the, the best companies are in the private markets. Not all of them, but many of the best ones are. And uh, conversely, we've seen, if you look at the IPO market in the last couple of years, a lot of speculation, a lot of risk in the public markets. So uh, yes, we, we think it's important to have a diversified equity portfolio, and that would include uh, an allocation to private markets. So if a client said, well, Phil, we know historically the S&P 500 has done average 10% plus right over the past 100 years. What are the statistics? I mean, I know you have the charts right up in front of you. Yep. Are returns for private markets similar to equity returns? Uh, <clears throat> similar and a little bit higher, actually. If you look at some of the historical data, the returns in the private markets have been have been higher. And there, there are a number of reasons that uh, are cited as to why that's the case. I think importantly is, you know, control. So in the in the private equity market, for example, which is most of, of this of this industry, it's these control investments. So for example, partners group is the control owner of a company. We control maybe 90% of a company, 10% is owned by the management team. So we we're in control, we build the board of directors, we are fully aligned with the management team, and our focus is long term. Our focus is how can we as the owners, the board of directors, work with the management team to make it a better business? How can we grow revenues? How can we uh, expand the operating margins? How can we make it a better business? Period. That's our focus. And we don't care at all about this month's performance, next quarter's performance. It's over years, what are the decisions we're making today and then over years to make this a better business? So that is entirely different, and this is a bit of a generalization, but entirely different than the public markets where you are forced to think, you know, really short term. And as uh, as an investor in a large public company, I mean, you and I don't have a lot of say, don't have a lot of control. Right. right. Uh, so it's a very different model. So when you when the work is done, the research is done, they look at the returns a lot of it comes from that control. It comes from that long-term orientation. 
and uh, that's you know another type of diversification when you think about it. So it's different companies, and it's also a different ownership model in terms of uh, of these businesses. And um, there's some fascinating research done uh, in the global financial crisis how private equity companies performed relative to similar companies public. Right. And uh, they updated that research in COVID and the private equity owned businesses were more resilient. And a lot of that is due to this control element. We can be more agile. We can make decisions more efficiently. We can react. We can take advantage of opportunities. We can mitigate risk much more dynamically agility than uh, than maybe a public company can. So uh, it's another reason to have you know, a portion of your portfolio get this uh, diversification. Right. So, Robert, so if I'm a company that's doing $100 million in sales, right, a private equity company like Partners Group comes in and they'll take a position in the company. Let's just say it's a position where it's 51% or greater. So now you have control of the company like you just talked about. What is it about private equity firms that when, when they come in, I mean, a good part of the time, from my experience, they really do make a difference in the company and they, can, they then grow the business. Sometimes within three years, they could have a lot of growth. What is it that you do that when you come in there that you advise on and take care of? Because if you think about it, if I'm a $100 million company, I have free cash flow, but for some reason, they're not able to figure it out the way you're able to figure it out. So what is the trick, if you want to call it that, that makes a difference? Yeah, you're right. I, I think the... Uh... The term we use in the industry is value creation, right? And uh, or you know, hands-on operational improvements. I mean, it's you know, again, it's about making the companies better. And uh, so our approach is let's find you know, let's find winning companies and in growing industries. That's our our model. It's okay. Where you know, where are there sectors where there's above-average GDP growth? And what are the winning companies in those sectors? Typically, the market-leading businesses. We want to buy, and we typically have, if you look at the portfolio, 75% of the companies are either one, two, or three in their respective industries. So we're saying, let's buy a you know, good company, if not a great company, and make it even better. And there are a number of different ways we can, we can do that. And you know, there's some consistent plays you can run across companies. And then at the end of the day, they're always a little bit different in terms of what you have to do. But this is called value creation, operational value creation. Uh, we're known for this. Uh, we've won for seven years in a row our industry award. So we have an industry magazine called Private Equity International. I, I joke, it's like People Magazine or something. We have these awards every year. And we've won seven years in a row the operational value creation award, you know, having the best example of making a company more valuable. Um, so if I think about this thematic approach, okay, right, winning industry, winning company, making it better. Uh, you know, a few years ago, we bought uh, the largest uh, veterinary compound pharmacy business right. Right. Uh, called Wedgwood. It's, uh, you know, in New Jersey. And uh, it's part of our theme of the humanization of pets, right? If you think back to even the long run, but like think COVID, it's like everyone has their pet, but over the long run, we all know we spend as much as it takes to keep Fido happy and alive and healthy. So people are spending a lot of time on their pets, treating them like real family members. Uh, so this part of the, the overall uh, economy is growing nicely. If you look at the 
you know, the veterinary pharmaceutical market growing really well. Pfizer, there's an old spin out from Pfizer. It's like the big gorilla. And then this is a specialty part of the market. You know, this uh, compound pharmacy basically for pets, that's growing at about a third higher growth rate than the overall veterinary pharmacy industry. So it's growing really nicely. This company has been around for 40 years, uh, but they needed help to grow. And uh, what we were able to do, we doing a couple of things. One play, which is pretty common these days, is just upgrading the technology. So uh, you could call this digitization, you know, digital transformation of the business. Maybe it's a business that's been operating with too much, too much paper, in, you know, traditional paper invoices, that right. kind of how can we upgrade that? How can we upgrade the, the sales team tools? You know, is everyone really using technology in the way that they should? This company hadn't they've done a lot of things well. They hadn't made the appropriate investments there. So we digitized the business, hiring salespeople. So we're investing in this company, building out a sales team, also building out a national uh, distribution footprint and manufacturing footprint. So this is typically what you see. We're coming in and we're providing resources, financial resources, uh, you know, other types of resources. At the board of directors I alluded to, we spent a lot of time building that team out to help the, the, you know, the CEO, the CFO, help the business grow. So we have board members engaged driving business. I mean, this is what you see. This is what we have to do, right? It's a competitive economy. Absolutely, yeah. And buy and you know hope that it's going to go well or hope you'll sell it for a higher multiple you have to make it a better company at least that's our firm belief you have to do that so those are maybe some helpful examples in terms of what we're able to do and what i think best in class private equity firms are doing when they're buying companies which is terrific right and, and you think about it as i think about the the four things that you just talked about i feel like the most important thing like anything i mean like anything else if you really have the capital to invest in a sales team and build a sales team Obviously, that's a, a probably the biggest reason why a company is going to go from 100 million to 200 million over a three or five year period. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, we are growth oriented. So that's, you know, you can hire more salespeople, you can empower them, make them more effective. Um, and in this case, in this particular company also, you know, do a number of other things. But yes, we, we tend to be focused on on growth. Yep. Often not, that's where we're creating value increasing sales, going into new markets, uh, creating new products for new segments, you know, different types of expansion strategies. So as an investor in these private businesses, you can become a majority owner of the business, but you could also go in there with something like 30 or 35% stake in an actual business. What's the difference between doing that to the business versus being a, a, a majority holder? Yeah, I mean, we, we have a clear preference for control. Uh, you know, control and and alignment. I mean, it, it sort of boils down to, do you, are there too many cooks in the kitchen, mm -hmm. right? And we tend to think, okay, we, we've spent a lot of time trying to find these companies. And in some cases it takes years. I mean, literally years to I do the work I described, like researching, analyzing the industry, finding the right company, meeting with the management team, meeting with the existing owners, or maybe management, maybe the entrepreneur, maybe another private equity firm. Um, and then, you know, really positioning ourselves while we're doing that due diligence to be the, the rightful owner of that. Uh, so that can take uh, some time, but we do have a preference for control. From time to time, we'll, 
you know, we will buy a company with another firm, you know, another right. private equity firm, because right. we, we feel like uh, maybe one and one makes three. Right. You know, we may have a particular set of skills and they may have a complementary set of skills and together we'll build that board and, and share the responsibility for making that a better company, you know, working together. So we do do that. And that's where you may have that situation where maybe we're, you know, 30% instead of 50 or 60 or mm-hmm. 70%. So they're, they're different models, uh, but, you know, control and alignment, that's, that's the fundamental uh, practice that we think drives returns and value in this type of the market, this part of the market. Well, so Robert, in a situation where you take over a company and you have high expectations, hire a board, everything you talked about before, what are the odds of that situation failing? And at what point as the investor do you say, oh my goodness, this is not working out the way I thought it would. And what happens at that point? Yeah. So uh, a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, we, you know, we're trying to build a robust portfolio. If you think about what I've described and we're buying quality in essence, it's almost like a combination of quality and growth mm-hmm. or, or maybe like a good to great strategy is one way to think about it. So we're buying real businesses. You know, in some cases, these businesses like the pharmacy business I mentioned are, you know, decades old. Sometimes they're 10 years old, but they're real established, proven businesses. And we feel like we can make them even, even better. Um, As opposed to buying, you know, early stage investments, you know, making those as a passive investor and sort of wondering, okay, is this going to work or not? That's not what we do. So we're buying real companies. And, uh, we diversify our portfolios because what we've learned, I think everyone who's been investing for some period of time has learned diversification is, is prudent, right? Because we can spend years researching, building conviction, buying companies that uh, we feel like have enormous promise and potential, but we just don't know what's going to happen. You know, we don't control the universe. So you really need to have that diversified portfolio, in our view, across a number of different dimensions, industries, the actual company diversification itself, uh, because you don't you don't know. I mean, so, for example, we we own a large uh, contract bakery business, you know, the country's largest. You know, so we, we make a lot of Oreo cookies, millions of Oreo <laughs> cookies, kind bars and cliff bars and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's an amazing business. It, it really is an amazing business, but uh, has had a lot of challenges through COVID. I mean, think about it, the, you know, labor, cost, yeah. and, and almost everything that can go wrong with this company is going wrong. Like most recently, it's not really a laughing matter. I shouldn't be laughing. But one of our ingredients is maple syrup. And we used to get a lot of maple syrup from Russia. You know, we can't get it anymore. So it's just... You just don't know what's going to happen. So you got to be diversified. That being said, you know, if we look at our portfolio, uh, it's a lot of doubles, triples, singles, very few losses. And, and that's, you know, I think it makes sense, right? We're buying quality. And I think part of your question was, you know, what do you do when something's not going well? I mean, we, you know, we roll up our sleeves. We don't give up on companies. We, we fix them and uh, we stay in for the long term. Uh, that's our approach um, for better, yeah. or for worse. And it's just who mm-hmm. we are, how we like to, to do things. So we don't give up on companies. And what does that in practice? What does that mean? Okay. If 
you know, the environment's changed, that value creation playbook has changed. Right. You know, maybe we need to go from offense onto defense. Okay, maybe we need to get different types of skills and capabilities at the board. Uh, maybe it's not about, you know, hiring more salespeople, but it's about finding uh, better sources of, uh, of inputs for our, for our uh, Oreo cookies. You know, we just have to, you know, be, uh, be responsible for that as the environment changes, which gets back to why we believe that private equity model, that control really, really drives a lot of the returns because you can adapt. You can be agile, you can be quick. You can take advantage of opportunities, mitigate risk to a much greater extent is our belief. And again, a generalization, not every public company is like this, but we do believe generally speaking, we have a better ability to, to, uh, to be agile than a public company. I love the way you're constantly talking about and which is obvious businesses and, and you know this business and that business and you go through the business and the construct of the business and that you're a long-term investor in the business and seeing it through and the reality is is that that's how every investor in a public market should think as i do right so i never ever look at it like what's the ticker of this stock what's the ticker of that stock 99 call it 98 of people think that way but the reality is is that when you're buying into a business you're buying into that business and you're in for the long haul and when you buy it, there may be some type of disruption, whatever it may be, but you do the analysis, you do the research and you figure it out, right? And you make that investment and it's a long-term investment. But obviously being a control, having having control is a bigger difference, but you understand my point. Um, when when somebody, Robert, if for my audience, if someone says to you, oh my gosh, private equity, that's risky. What do you say to them? Yeah, that, so we say... Uh... Not necessarily. So we say, look, these are, you know, again, real, real companies. So we, uh, you know, 75% of our, the companies we own, you know, our control portfolio are leading established businesses, one, two, or three in their respective uh, niche. So, um, you know, proven businesses, uh, you know, best in class ownership model, massively diversified, uh, you know, a very robust uh, solution is what is what we see, and you know, and we have results to to prove that to to show that that is a is a winning model and a really good complement to uh, to public equities. And that I think that's another way to, for people to to think about this topic. You can just look at the the results um, and look at years like 2011 and 2015 and right. 2018 and 2022. This is where you can actually see tangibly that right. power right. of that diversification when a private equity portfolio was actually generating positive performance in an environment when public markets were maybe flat or down. So you can look at that empirically, you know, see the data that that it uh, that it works. Um, and I, I would encourage, and, and I can say that because again, I keep repeating, I apologize if I'm beating the dead horse, we run diversified portfolios. Our approach, you know, our flagship solution is, you know, massively diversified, sort of a total private market, private equity market fund, almost like a broad-based equivalent of a public, you know, ETX index fund. Right. right. Um, and so we, you know, do provide this robust, resilient solution, which is proven to be, uh, you know, from a risk perspective, really beneficial to that 
traditional public equity portfolio. And that's what's gotten me really comfortable, right? So you guys own multiple businesses, very diversified, different sectors. You do different things. I mean, you don't directly own all your companies you own. You know, you do take stakes 50% or less. You lend to companies. You have uh, secondary funds, et cetera. All right, last question for you, Robert, right? So I have a bunch of money that I want to invest in your fund or private equity fund, really doesn't matter. Is now the right time? Yeah, so I mean, the way, uh, I mean, I, first thing I would say is you should absolutely have some part of your portfolio, right? It just, it just almost common sense. You should look to have that allocation. Uh, second- what, what, percent, what percent allocation would you recommend if you were me? I mean, we, we see everything. We see it maybe at the low end, three, four, 5% up to 20%, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you can look at some of the large foundations and endowments that sometimes people point to some of the large institutional investors, public pension plans, and they have even higher, maybe 30, 40, you know, some of yep. almost half of their portfolios for individual investors. We tend to see, you know, call it five to 25. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the role that we've played, we, you know, we created basically the first mutual fund type solution right 15 years ago uh to really make uh make this market accessible uh for uh for individual investors and kind of smaller institutional investors so uh now's not probably not a bad time uh, to be honest if you think about uh you know where we are pricing's come down so you could say there's a bit more value out there pricing is down because it's been a volatile period in the markets um and, uh, you know, with interest rates go- going up, uh, you know, substantially 18 months ago or so, uh, the volatility in the public markets, you know, last year, um, you know, there is a bit, a bit more uh, power that we have as, as buyers than we did uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it is a good time to start building that, that allocation. And uh, what, you know, I love about some of these new solutions. You know, we created the first of sort of this new way of investing. It's not really new. It's 15 years old now. Right. Uh, but, you know, you can dollar cost average if you want, which you couldn't say 15 years ago in private equity because the the structures, you know, the funds that you had to use, which were really built for institutional investors, didn't work for individuals. And you're, you weren't really investing. You're committing capital didn't really have any control over your exposures, how much you're investing and when. Now you can really take an approach. Like you can really decide, Phil, you and your clients, you can say, you know what, let's start building that position. Let's dollar cost average and do right, that. Exactly. Just like with a mutual fund or an ETF, right. what have you. Uh, or you can just say what well, my approach, you know, I just put it in the market. So I, that's how I do my public equity portfolio and my private equity portfolio. If I'm fortunate enough to have a, uh, you know, a bonus next year, I'll take that bonus and just put it into the fund. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not a market timing guy myself. Uh, and I, and I feel comfortable doing that just given the, again, the diversification, I promised I would right. be the dead horse, but diversity. Right, right. No, no, no. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and I'm going to ask you actually one quick question. Uh, sorry about that. So the businesses that you guys are running now, are you seeing a slowdown in their business due to the macroeconomic situation? It, it depends. It gets back to that diversification, right? So some companies, 
uh, have, you know, struggled. Others have done really fine. Uh, if I look back at cash flow growth, it's been positive, you know, through June, I think it was up 14% over the last 12 months of cash wow. flow. It, uh, yeah. Um, so it just, it just depends. Most of the portfolio is doing fine. We have some of those problem children, like everything in life, anything else. <laughs> more, more time. Um, you know, the one thing that we also did again, back to control and I mentioned interest rates going up, you know, in these, in this private equity market, when we buy these companies, just like when we, you know, when you buy a house, we do use some leverage, we get some financing and, uh, what we did two years ago, we went to all of our CFOs of our portfolio companies and we said, you know, there's a risk that rates are gonna be going up and you need to extend the maturities on any debt that you have. And you need to buy hedges. So we are not going to be harmed if rates, you know, go up like we think we did. I mean, we didn't have a perfect crystal ball, but- right. That's a pretty good probability that rates were going to be going up. So we were early to do that uh, two years ago. I think it's a great example, again, of control, agility, alignment with management. And that's preserved an enormous amount of capital uh, in the last, you know, really in the last two years as interest rates went up. Now they're coming down. But, you know, we were able to get through that different type of crisis. Uh, not really crisis, maybe too strong word, but that type of an environment Right. Uh, whereas, you know, if you hadn't done that, maybe you would have been uh, more negatively impacted. Right. Great, Robert. Listen, this was uh, absolutely excellent. I appreciate your time today, your perspectives and insight. I think it's going to be very helpful for my audience. So thank you for your time today. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure.